following message was recorded at Faith Fellowship, St. Pete, in St. Petersburg, Florida. More information about Faith Fellowship can be found at faithfellowshipstpete.org. And I've always said, you know, my, my ministry is a byproduct of my relationship with Christ, period. Uh, and, and that's just true of all of our lives, that, uh, that his life, love, liberty, uh, power and presence flows through us as we uh, connect our lives to him. And, um, and I love when people ask me um, in, in all kinds of settings, when, when I'm setting up things or talking to uh, uh, someone on the phone, they'll say, well, what's your email address? I'm like, OK, here we go connected you know connected and uh and a lot of times there's just some you know this like ooh, that's i like that and i'm like well tell me you know it, o- it opens up a, a wonderful conversation and um and i get the privilege of saying that he is my life source he is my hope he is uh that it is my hope and desire to to abide in him to stay close to him to remain knowing that connected to him is what brings about power and fruit and and everything that he desires to do in and through our lives. And so I don't want to waste one moment in this text. I'm so excited to share it with you. So I'm going to get started in reading it. Here's the context. The very last verse we read in chapter 14 of John is, he says, rise, let us go. Um, so he, they're basically just walking out of the upper room. They've just celebrated what we, we've come to know as the Last Supper. Uh, the Lord's Supper or communion. Um, Judas was dismissed to go and do what he had had uh, decided to do um, with urgency. Um, so Judas has left the room uh, to accomplish uh, his purpose um, and uh, and and betray Jesus. Uh, Peter has been told in the context of the group that he was going to deny him three times in the near future. Uh, to be very specific, before the morning, before the cock crows in the morning. And, uh, and so there's a lot going on here. And uh, Jesus in this final, it's, it's referred to as the farewell discourse. So what he's doing is he's giving them his heart and all of the things that they don't, he doesn't want them to ever forget. And in chapter 14, he has unpacked this, that though I'm going, I'm going to send my spirit not to be beside you, but to be inside you and to do even a fuller work. He said a greater work than his in scope and in, 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 in impact. And so like this is, this is an incredible thing that, that Jesus is saying. He's going to send his peace to abide in us and that we are to let the peace of Christ reign. And so the Holy Spirit is promised at this point. And then the transition is into this moment where he is going to say in 11 verses that we'll look at this morning, he uses the theme word in some context. He uses the theme word 11 times. So this word abide or remain is very, very critical that we understand what, he is, what, he's, what he's inviting them into, what he is challenging them to be a part of. And, uh, and so here he is, uh, he is introducing himself for the seventh and last time he is declaring his divine destiny and, his, and, and who he is. Um, and so um, look with me at this passage as we read it together. 
We're in uh, John chapter 15, just left the upper room, heading to the Garden of Gethsemane where he will pray and ask the Lord uh, to take this cup, but not my will, but your will be done. And then Judas walks in, betrays him. He's arrested. Uh, all of that is, is, uh, is about to unfold. And these are the things that he's leaving with them. These are the words that he wants them. This is his heart that he's displaying to them. John 15, 1 through 11. I am the true vine, Jesus says, and my father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he, the vine dresser, takes away. And every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes, that it may be, that it may bear more fruit. Already you are clean because of the word that I have spoken to you. Abide in me and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine. You are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he is thrown away like a branch and withers, and the branches are gathered, thrown into the fire, and burned. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. By this my Father is glorified that you bear much fruit and so prove to be my disciples. As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. These things that I have spoken to you, these things I have spoken to you, that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be full or complete. Okay, let's dig into this because this is so rich. We are being invited into his life, his fruit, his presence in, in an intimate way. It's almost marital. It's later on in chapter 17 in the same discourse, the same conversation, Jesus prays and says, Father, that we may be, that they, speaking of his disciples and later about us, who would be ministered to through his disciples, says that they may be one as you and I are one. That's the oneness that he wants. And he's here inviting us in, in the most intimate of ways, making it possible through the cross and, and by, by his indwelling spirit, inviting us into an abiding relationship that is connected in such intimacy that oneness occurs to the point where he demonstrates his life through us. And we are simply channels or conduits of Christ's heart and life and fruit through our lives. So the very first verse is, I am the true vine. Well, I mean, by saying he is the true vine, he is clearly saying there are counterfeits, right? There are others, there are things in life that, and we can all attest to this, there are things we can connect our lives to that will not be fruitful, right? That things we can connect our lives to that will not satisfy Right, And he is saying that I am the true vine. Now, what he's really saying here, and we don't have time to unpack, but I encourage you to dig into this, is he's saying, I am the true Israel. Israel was meant to be God's vineyard. 
And when throughout the, the prophetic uh, teachings on this, Jesus even had parables to illustrate this. It says that God provided everything for Israel in order for, it, for Israel to be this fruitful vineyard. What happened? No fruit. Wild grapes. They, they failed to be fruitful. Though God provided the wine press, the, the wall, everything, right, for their fruitfulness, they, they did not bear fruit. He is saying, I am the true Israel. I'm the true vine. I'm the one that's going to, if you abide in me, one of the promises that's made in Isaiah that I loved in preparing this week was it, it's told, we're told at the end of the day that God's kingdom will be abundantly fruitful. Jesus has come to make that possible. Does that make sense? He is saying that, I, first of all, he's saying I am, which is a divine declaration, right? He is, listen, Jesus didn't pull any punches. He said, you know, I'm God. I'm here, right? I, I'm the son of man. I'm the son of God. I am. This is the seventh and last divine declaration that is made in the gospel of John. And he is saying that, that and, I, and not only that, but I am the true vine. I am the true Israel. Right? And then he goes on to say, and my father is the vine dresser. Your translation might say gardener. But what, what is meant to understand, and listen, if you want to do some, I hope that I have, I have disciples out there this morning that meaning learner and student, like, like go into a deep study on what, what a vine dresser is and what he does. It'll bless you big time. But basically, he's the one that, you know, they would train for years in order to fulfill this role as a, vi as a vine dresser. And they, their, their chief objective is to bring the full potential out of the vine, right? The, the full potential. And they, they do it through strategic cutting and trimming and pruning that is done through infinite wisdom on how to do that in order to cultivate the vine and bring it to its, its ideal fruitfulness. And do you know that we have a heavenly father that is the, the perfect vine dresser? He knows when to cut off and he knows when to prune. And he does this all for the purpose of a fruitful kingdom. And we get to be beneficiaries as we uh, align and attach our lives to the, to the true vine, the very one that is the life source of the fruit. There's no fruit, as Jesus says in chapter in verses 4 and 5. There's no fruit through us as branches if we're not connected to Christ. He is the source of that fruit. We are simply conduits. And if we don't abide in him, if we don't remain in him, if we don't connect our lives to him, then then we wither and we die. We know that's true. And so verse 1 tells us these things, and here are some, some thoughts related to that. As I mentioned, this is the seventh and last I am statement in John. Jesus is making another divine declaration. You can connect yourself to many things, hoping to be nourished and fruitful by them. But Jesus says he is the true vine, all others are copies and counterfeits. He is the original. There are no substitutes. Isn't that true this morning? Do we, do we like realize that he is the hope of nations? He is the only source of, of the fruit that God desires to demonstrate and propagate through, uh, through his vine, through his, through his people, through his kingdom. 
I, I was reminded in, in this moment in preparation that G- what Jesus said to Martha, he said, Martha, Martha, right? She was upset because Mary wasn't, you know, in the kitchen with her preparing the meal. And, and, uh, and this is what he said. He said, Martha, Martha, you are worried and anxious about many things. Anybody relate? Right? You got, you got, you got, you got many things that you're worried and anxious about. Martha, Martha, you're worried and anxious about many things. And then he says, but one thing is necessary. One thing is necessary. Well, don't you want to know what God says, what Jesus says is the one thing, one thing that's necessary. And he says, Mary has chosen that one thing and it will not be taken from her. And you know what she was doing as she always does? Every time we find Mary with Jesus, what's she doing? She's sitting at his feet, just drinking in, just, just taking in every syllable, every, every ounce of his presence. And he says, this is the one thing that is necessary, right? It is interesting that Jesus uses a fruit-bearing plant here as an illustration. See, the branches are totally dependent on the vine. Does that translate? We are totally, and we're so much better off if we acknowledge this fact. We are totally dependent on him for everything for life and godliness, right? Secondly, branches have to remain to be fruitful. Cut a branch off, even has fruit on it. It doesn't continue to grow and it never will bear fruit again. Right? So we have to endure, as verse 16 helps us understand this principle of remaining. Right? We have to remain, as the NIV uses in there. And, and finally, we have a living union with Christ. That's part of what he wants us to understand by using the vine and the branch illustration, is that this is not static, this is a living union with the living God, with the living Savior and our living King, that he wants to, he wants to, this is what he's wanting to do. He's wanting to continue to live his life through us. He's wanting to bring his fruit to bear upon the world. And he's saying, you can be my conduit. You can be my branches. You can be my followers, disciples, right? And, and the world but here's what you have to do. And he's clearly calling us to a posture here. I mean, he's doing, he's doing it all, but he's saying here, you've got to stay connected to me. You've got to connect to me in a way that's permanent, resilient, steadfast. If you hope to bear kingdom fruit. And so we understand that this is a living union with Christ. Jesus says, my father, my father, is our vine dresser. So what are we meant to understand by that? And please dive into that a little deeper. It's so rich. He determines when, where, and how to prune. Now let me ask you a question. Like it, we're told here in just a moment, he cuts off, right? The, the fruitless branches. But he prunes branches that are what? Fruitful. That there are seasons in our life that, that our Heavenly Father in his glorious wisdom and in his wonderful uh, nature and love he has a greater ambition for our lives than what we're currently fruitfully experiencing that he will literally like prune us in our fruitfulness we'll talk about this in a moment in, in order in his infinite wisdom and kindness to bring about greater fruitfulness 
And in that moment, won't it feel like we're, we're feeling a little cut back? Will these moments be painful? Will they be hard and difficult? Is it helpful that Jesus tells us this so that we understand, please don't miss this, we understand the intention of the vine dresser. We understand the heart of the Father that he's not taking, he is seeking to add, right? But, it, but it's through the process of pruning in his glorious wisdom he does these things. This is the most important part of fruitfulness. And aren't you grateful that this is God's part? And let me say this very clearly. It is not our part. Don't go around pruning people. Don't go around cutting people out. You don't know. Jesus said, did a parable and he said, look, there'll be wheat and tares in the kingdom. And, and a tear is basically a Darnell weed, as John shared in a previous sermon, right? Which means they're, they're actually referred to as fake wheat. So they will look like wheat, right? But God, what, 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 you know, the, the thought was, hey, let's, let's pull them up. Let's get them out of here. And God says, Jesus says in this parable, don't do it. Not until the harvest. And then the angels will come and you'll pull out the, 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 you know. So this is part of what Jesus is continuing to illustrate here. Is that, listen, let's let God do, like he's, there's no, there's no openings in the Trinity. Okay, and, and, and trust me, he's doing a great job. We don't have to play the role of the Holy Spirit, comfort, counsel, convict. Like that's not our part. We, we are, we're called to some pretty specific things to, to love. There's 43 one another's. Let's focus on those. You know, we might have a log in our, lo- our, our own eye and, 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 and by, the, by, by the measure we judge, we will be judged. So let's be careful, right? But we're not, we're not to prune. But can, 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 you, can you like join me this morning in being excited about the fact that we have a loving, glorious, amazing, all-knowing, omniscient, heavenly father that prunes Right? And you know what he wants us to believe in that moment when it's hard and it hurts and we're being cut back? He, he wants us to believe that he's good. He wants us to respond like Job did when he was cut back. And by the way, was Job fruitful when he was cut back? Have you considered my servant Job? He's the most righteous. I mean, he was fruitful. But God knew there was greater fruit. At the end of the day, was Job, was Job even more fruitful? Ten, tenfold, right? So like, but here's the thing. In that moment, what did Job declare? A couple of things. He said, naked I came in the world, naked I'll depart. The Lord is given, the Lord is taken away. May the name of the Lord be praised. You know, when his wife said, curse God and die, he said, shall we accept good from the Lord and not evil? And it says, in all he said, he did not sin. Right? Because like, does God deserve our trust in the midst of the pain and the cutting back? Do we, do we deter? Do we, do we jump? No, we don't move. We trust him. We rest in him. We know that God is up to something glorious. And that's where we exercise our faith in those moments. So Jesus says the father is, a, is, is the vine dresser. He cuts away and cleans the dead or diseased. Now, can I tell you that he does this not only um, individually with us, and we'll talk about that in more detail, but he also does it corporately within the church, right? Ananias and Sapphira, you know, Ju- Judas. Like, why? Because disease can be contagious. But, but again, that's not our part. 
That's his part. Is it painful? Is it hard? Absolutely. Do we understand it? Probably not. But, but our, 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 our mandate in that moment is to do what? Trust him. Who said that? Hallelujah. That is it. Trust him. Right? Also, he prunes the fruitful for more fruit. So what can we not... Other times we, we might feel pruned because of discipline. Yes, yes. He does that in order to share his holiness, his righteousness with us, right? He, the, he, he loves us. That's, that's an expression of his love for us according to Hebrews 12, right? But that's, that's why Jesus said when the disciples asked him, he says, you know, who sinned, his mother or him, that he's like that? And Jesus said, no, no, you got it wrong, that God might be glorified. Right? We can never assume, especially based on Job, we can never assume that, that, it, that, that what folks are facing is because of sin, because God could be pruning the, the, the fruitful for greater fruitfulness. And so our role in that moment is to love, is to care, is to continue to stay in our lane. Verse 2 says, every, this is what Jesus says, every branch of me that does not bear fruit, which is a testimony of what? They're not abiding, right? Because we can't bear fruit by ourselves. He takes away. That, that Greek word is cleans or prunes, right? Removes, another translation uses. And every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes. So you could be fruitful as, as Philip was in Samaria, and God sends him on the road to Gaza to go meet an Ethiopian eunuch. Right? That, oh, God, I thought I was doing good. Now you're sending me. Like, we can misunderstand God's leadings. Right? Every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes. Why? This is what we have to know and believe and trust is that it may bear more fruit. Anybody here going through a pruning moment? Draw near. Stay close. Abide and trust him. He's always trying to bear more fruit through our lives. He's good. He's faithful. These moments are like it's, we talked about in class this morning. Like when, when, when we go through these, the tendency can be this. Why are you doing this to me? We can get, you know, like, like especially when we feel like we've been like obedient and, and abiding because the, the reason they're, they're fruitful is because they're abiding and then they're being cut back, pruned. And it can feel like, what did I do wrong? You ever been there? I've been there several times. Like what? what are, and it's not, it's not a bad thing to kind of search your heart, but, but in that moment, you can draw a conclusion sometimes that, you know what? It's, it's just my faithful father as a vine dresser doing some pruning here. And, and what, is my, what is my joyful expectation? More fruit, right? And that's where he wants us to rest and trust him for. Matthew 7, 19 says this as it relates to the first part of this, that if it doesn't bear fruit, it's taken away. Verse, Matthew 7, 14, Jesus, uh, 19, Jesus said this, every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. In Romans chapter 11, verses uh, 16 to 21, Jesus is talking about the fact that Israel has been disobedient, has been uh, an unfaithful vineyard. Right. And then it's posh. It's talking to the Gentiles who have been grafted in as wild branches into the in this case, the olive tree. 
Listen to what it says, though. This is what Paul says here in Romans through the Holy Spirit. If the dough offered as first fruit is holy, so is the whole lump. And if the root is holy, so are the branches. But if some of the branches were broken off and you, although wild olive shoot, he's talking, talking about the Jews and now to the Gentiles, were grafted in among the others and now share in the nourishing root of the olive tree, do not be arrogant towards the natural branches, talking about the Jews. If you are, remember, it is not you who support the root, but the root that supports you. Is that good? Isn't that good? Then you will say branches are broken off so that I might be grafted in. That might be your, your thought or conclusion. That is true, Paul goes on to say after this rhetorical thought. They were broken off because of their what? Unbelief. That's important, right? But you stand fast through what? Faith. We are saved by grace through what? Faith alone, right? By God's grace alone. So do not become proud, but fear. And that fear is reverent awe. Like it is like, wow, God, you're amazing. You're awesome. And we should be in such, such like reverence for him. Awe. Verse 21, for if God did not spare the natural branches, branches, which are who? The nation of Israel, neither will he spare you. But I love, you don't want to stop there until you read verse 23. A couple of verses later, it says this. And even they, the nation of Israel, if they do not continue in their unbelief, will be grafted in, for God has the power to graft them in again. Is that not good news? Isn't that great and glorious? And so one of the things that we can draw out of verse 2 is this. Judas would be a good, bad example here right? Of, and, and I believe if you think about the context, it's exactly what he's trying to help the disciples understand is, okay, you know, some are going to be cut off and this is going to be a difficult season because you're going to be pruned. But d- d- don't conclude that you're not fruitful or you're not clean, right? So another example, as I mentioned earlier, might be Ananias and Sapphira, right? Um, and if you want to look that up, it's in the early stages of Acts. Uh, right there, uh, they, they wanted to be like, like Barnabas. Have you ever asked the Lord to be more fruitful? I hope you have. I hope you've prayed, Lord, help me be more fruitful. And I'm not in the, I, I don't subscribe to the, to the thought that we shouldn't pray for things because we might, you know, he might make me more patient. You know, like, like you know, and what, what's going to happen in order for that to be true? Like, like, look, listen, it's a fruit of the Spirit. Like, it comes to us by us just partaking in him. Like, it, it's a natural byproduct of our abiding in Christ. And so, like, What I love, though, is that I think it's a good prayer to ask to be more fruitful, but we should have accurate expectations that the the path to fruitfulness includes pruning. Does that does that resonate this morning? Right. And that we but here's what we're doing. We're trusting the good heart of our father in the process. Right. He knows exactly where to cut. Do you believe that? Exactly. Have you ever been pruned by our loving Heavenly Father? Anybody? Right? Have you ever been pruned for whatever reason? I'll give you some examples just in case you're trying to figure it out. Stuff. Have you ever been pruned of cars or homes or careers? Here's a big one. Of your dreams. Because you know what he wants to give you? He wants to give you his. 
Delight yourself in the Lord and he will give you the desires. He will give you his desires in your hearts, right? Maybe, uh, maybe you've been pruned of a job or here's a big one in relationships, um, finances, health. And as I started making this list and thinking through it in my own experiences and those that I've been intimate with, right away I thought of Job. But let's not forget, at the end of the day, Job was 10 times more fruitful. And that's how we understand the whole context of this. And why would God mess with Job? Because he wasn't finished with Job, right? And, uh, and, and do we believe it's worth it? You know, because he does. Our Heavenly Father is never, don't miss this. This is a takeaway. Write this down. Our Heavenly Father is never closer to us than when he is pruning us. Isn't that sweet? That's the truth. He is close to the brokenhearted. Pruning hurts, but it helps. Do you believe that this morning? Pruning hurts, but it helps. And if we don't subscribe to that, we're going to have a hard time as we grow up in the Lord. Like believing that he's good. He cuts away the bad for the good. And, you know, we subscribe to that, right? But what about when he's cutting away the good for the better? Or ultimately cutting away the better for the best? And that's when it feels like fruit's being cut off, but God's got greater ambitions and directives in our life. You might not enjoy it, but you definitely need it. Is that true? Let me give you a quick illustration. I, I, at a previous uh, church I worked at, very, very large church, 39 people on staff. One, we had a new staff m- member come in, and he was given the campus, which was vast, in order to care for the campus. And uh, he had a very, very strong uh, military background, great resume, and he was going to take care of the campus. Well, one of the very first things he did was we had hibiscuses all over the campus. And, and they, they, they had flowers on them. He cut them. I'm not telling you. He cut them down to, to this, like just to the stock. That's it. Like he, these giant hibiscus right down. the. And I thought, this guy's lost his mind. This guy has no, and he's new. He's like, he doesn't know what he's doing. Not a clue. Well, I was the one that was wrong because a year later, these hibiscus plants had the most beautiful leaves and had tons more flowers. Tons, right? And, and what we have to do is we, we have to do what I didn't, did not do what I did is question the, the wisdom of God in those moments, Right? The first way he cleanses us is through his word, is through his word. Listen to what verse 3 says. Already you are clean. The word is pruned, right? Because of the word that I have spoken to you. Wow. We're told about the impact. The pa- I think sometimes we underestimate the, the power of the word. Faith comes from hearing and hearing for the word of Christ. Like faith finds its, 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 its origin in, in, in the scriptures and that the scriptures can cut to the very thoughts and intentions of our, it's a, it's a, it's a double-edged sword, like it's powerful, it's, it's alive, it's effective. And we're told that it actually has the power to clean us spiritually, right? In John 17, 17, later in this conversation, Jesus says, sanctify them. He's praying to the Father. He says, sanctify them in truth. This word literally means cleans, 
Like, sanctify them in truth. Your word is truth. And, and I'm going to go to another, another uh, cross-reference. I love this one. So in Ephesians 5, uh, Paul's talking about the, the, the marriage. But very quickly, whenever, whenever the Holy Spirit's talking about marriage, it moves to Christ and the church. Because they, it's, it's the same conversation, right? Like, so he says this. Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church. And husbands, maybe this is what the sermon's for you this morning right here. Is like, husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. But listen to what verse 46, 26 says in reference to what we're talking about. That he may sanctify her, cleanse her, having cleansed her by the washing of water with what? With the word. Guys, have you ever, I, I hope you realize the powerful potential of God's word to cleanse us, to wash us. Like if we're in need of, of washing, then get in front of the word with an obedient heart and a posture of being clay in the potter's hands, ready to make, make an obedient step be sensitive to the cleansing work of the Holy Spirit, right? He is, when you're reading the word, let the Holy Spirit have, have counsel over you in, in those moments. He uses the word to purify us. And what should be our ideal posture? Don't miss this. Our ideal posture should be Shema. It's a Hebrew word, Shema. What, what does it mean? The word Shema means hear or listen, Right, But it has much further implications than what we know to be just listening and hearing. What it means is listen and obey out of love for him. That's what Shema means. Right? Listen and obey out of love for him. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one. We shall love the Lord our God with all of our heart, mind, strength. So like this is what is being said as it relates to his word. All right, verses 4 and 5 said this. says this, abide in me. So this is Jesus' invitation to make him our home, right? And to, and to make that a permanent residence, right? He says, I and you. So in other words, what I love here is he's saying, you abide in me and I promise I in you as the branch cannot. Don't miss, if you, if you have your Bibles open, underline that. As a branch cannot bear fruit by itself, cannot, unless it abides in the vine, Neither can you, you what? Bear fruit unless you abide in me. You, you can't, it, you won't. Verse five says, I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears how much fruit? Much fruit for apart from me, you can do so I put this up here today because I don't, how many of you besides Joseph Tavares, who is successful in this area, have a, a successful vineyard in, in your backyard? Okay, me neither. Okay, so, but, but how many of you have turned on a light recently? Okay, right, okay. So do, do, I don't know that I need to get too far into this illustration. Apart from me, you can do nothing. If you abide in me, you will bear much fruit. We are in a season where we're talking about shine. And we shine because we abide, right? F the fruit of, of Christ actually is what causes us to shine. Let your light so shine before men that you see, they see your good deeds and they give God the glory. But what, I want you to remember this every time a light goes out. 
this, this incredible principle that Jesus invites us into, this abiding nature. This, this lamp is beautiful. It has great potential. It has great design. It's, it's, it's aesthetically pleasing, I think. And, uh, but it has no potential to fulfill its purpose unless it's plugged in. Is that true? In fact, it, it fails to achieve its purpose unless it's plugged in. I, I just, I think that's so important for us to remember that we need to stay plugged in, right? He is the power source. And, uh, and, and we, our, our desire to be connected to him is a privilege that we've been invited to. I love in 1 John 2, 6, it says this. Whoever says, don't miss this, whoever says he abides in him, do you abide in him? I know everybody's going to be like, I'm not answering that question. Okay, whoever says he abides in him ought to walk in the same way in which he walked. Jesus was the perfect example of abiding in the Father, abiding in his word, abiding in obedience out of love, he demonstrated and modeled all of that for us. So here's some thoughts. As a branch, we have the privilege to share his life and the responsibility of abiding in him. Do you see the balance there? Work out your salvation with fear and trembling for his God who's at work to will and to act according to his good pleasure. We have a responsibility to abide. He's going to do all the other He's going to bear the fruit. He's, he's made it possible for us to even be connected to him. This is our privilege. What does it mean to abide? As I mentioned, remain, endure, live, connected, attached. As I mentioned, abide is, is used in various forms here, but it's used 11 times in 11 verses. Notice what comes first, though, us in him. And don't miss this. By itself, a branch is weak and useless. Branches are only good for, for either bearing or burning. Bearing or burning in this illustration. Branches have no life of their own. Is that true? We see all the connections here. One of the illustrations that Jesus uses is himself uh, in the scriptures through the, the Holy Spirit does through Paul is that think about the body of Christ. Um, are we the body of Christ? right? And he is, he is what to the body? He's the head, right? That's what we're told. He's the head of the body, right? And in that illustration, you take the head out of the equation, what happens to the body? It dies. So have you acknowledged, have you acknowledged that you are a branch? Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Have you acknowledged that you're a branch? So dependent on the, on the vine for life and fruitfulness, for satisfaction and hope? How do we abide? Practically, living in his word through obedience, right? Staying connected to Christ in a posture of obedience, loving him with our lives, uh, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. So what fruit is produced? One of the things we see right in this text is answered prayer, Answer prayer. Why? Because we're praying what, we're, we're wishing what he wishes. We've delighted ourselves in the Lord. Now we, we're, praying, we're praying the very things that God's want. You don't think that that's going to come to fruition? And that's exactly what he wants. What are some other fruits? A growing love for God and other believers. 
That's what happens, right? Leading others to Christ. Giving becomes a fruit of living in, in an abiding relationship with Jesus. Praising. Praising the Lord is a fruit of abiding and especially in tribulation. It is the most fruitful and the, and the most pleasing aroma to the Lord when we, uh, when we praise him in tribulation. Sanctification, the fruit of the Spirit, right? Like that, we grow up in love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, and self-control. As we remain and abide and endure in this relationship with Christ, what happens is those things don't, are, are no longer foreign to who we are. They become who we are because our, our, our life is now hidden in Christ. And I, and I love that. So remember a few things here. Let's remember fruit takes time. Another thing, who eats the fruit? The branches? In the practicalness of this illustration, who eats the fruit? Others, right? So the fruit of our lives is not even meant for us. We're meant to feast on others and others are meant to feast on him through us, right? And, and, and all of it is, is, is the goodness of all good and perfect gifts come from above. So genuine fruit, do you, do you know this to be true? Genuine fruit reproduces. There are people that want to kind of perpetrate, you know, fake fruit. And it's almost like if I had a tree up here like that one and I taped a bunch of those plastic oranges on there, right? And, and th- there's some of that going on, right? But genuine fruit reproduces. Why? Because it has seed in it. And that, that's a whole nother sermon. Right. Proverbs 10, 21 says the lips of the righteous feed many. Feed many. Be careful how you speak. Jesus would not have told us to abide if we didn't have a part to play. That's important. Right. So verse six goes on to say, if anyone does not abide in me, he is thrown away like a branch and withers and the branches are gathered at the end of the day, thrown into the fire and burned. The sobering consequences of not abiding in Christ are right here. I'm going to take you to Matthew 13, 40 to 42, because he's saying the same thing here and in many other places. In verse 40, it says, just as the weeds are gathered and, and burned with fire, so it will be at the end of the age. The Son of Man will send his angels and they will gather out of his kingdom all causes of sin and, law, and, and all lawbreakers and throw them into the fiery furnace. And let's remember, this was not prepared for humanity, but for the devil and his angels. But humanity is walking that wide road that leads to destruction. And in that place, there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. That's sober. That's sobering, isn't it? Verse 7. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. Boy, this sounds a lot like John 8, 20, 31 and 32. So Jesus said to the Jews who had believed in him, if, you're, if you abide in my word, you are truly my disciples and you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. Right. So we're, we're, we're told that one of the fruits of abiding in Christ is our, is answered prayer, a, a life that is that is marked by answered prayer because we're praying. Um, I, I said this in class, but like, you know, make a wish foundation. The idea there is you're making somebody else's wish come true. In this case, 
What, what we, our prayer life should be making God's wishes come true. That's what we should be praying for. And, and, and when we do, when we share his heart and posture, posture when we de- delight in him, what's going to happen is those prayers, and that is a fruit of abiding. When our hearts line up with his answered prayers, we should share his wishes, kingdom prayers, right? Verse 8 goes on to say this, By this, what is this? Bearing much fruit, that's what the this is. My Father is glorified, right? We know that from Matthew five sixteen, that God is glorified by us being fruitful. Jesus, is, like Jesus said it over and over again, I glorified the Father and he glorified me. What's he, what's he talking about? I was obedient to every detail of his desire and I glorified him through the fruitfulness of my life, right? So by this, us bearing much fruit, my Father is glorified that you bear much fruit and what does much fruit prove? That you are a follower of Christ. That's what fruit bearing demonstrates and that's what draws the world in right when they see the the life of christ demonstrated through us and that simply like, let's not overcomplicate this that simply comes by us staying connected to christ we can't be like it's like taking a branch cutting it off and then that branch going trying to force fruit from itself it's not going to happen it is a natural byproduct of just being connected to christ it's a, we're a conduit of the fruit and it's his fruit flowing through us, which is the joy is the abundant life, his fruit flowing through us and then going out to others. Fruit is living proof that we follow Christ. Verse nine goes on to say, as the father has loved me. And what I want to point out here is Jesus knew he was loved. Do you know that you're loved? There was a disciple who knew he was loved. He even said, I'm the disciple that Jesus loved. He knew it. And we know him as what? John. Isn't it interesting that when everybody else was scattered, he was the only one abiding at the cross? He stayed close. And he was given the privileges of even caring for Jesus' mother. But Jesus knew he was loved and loved people love people right? As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you, right? It all starts with the Father, and his, he's not, he doesn't love, he is love, and then as we are convinced of his love and experience his love, then all we want to do is love, and this is, this is the, this is the fruit of abiding in him, and so he says, as the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Abide, now he says, abide in me. Now he says, abide in my word. And then he says, abide in my love. So the obvious question here is, I don't know if you're asking it, but this is the question, how? How do I abide in his love? I, maybe you're sitting here this morning you're like, like I am every time I read this and I'm like, I'm gonna abide in him. I'm gonna abide in his word and I'm gonna abide in his love. And I love that in verse 10, he tells us, how do, how do we abide in his love? If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love. Now, he's already told them in the previous chapter that, that we, we, we ideally keep his commandments by loving him with all of our heart, mind, strength, and soul. That is really when we're struggling to obey, the, 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 the right prayer is, Father, help me to love you more. Because love will always demonstrate itself through, through obedience. And so he says, abide in my love how do i do that if you if you keep my commandments you will 
abide in my love, just as I have kept the Father's commandments and abided in his love. What did Jesus want the world to know by his obedience to the Father? That he loved his daddy. That's exactly right. He wanted the world to know, I love him. It wasn't, I'm, I'm, I'm reluctant compulsion to, to I, I'm just, I, I, you know, he's my monarch, he's my, I'm going to do it, but uh. no, it was, I love him and it's my joy to do what he has asked of me. Abide in Christ, in his word, and now in his love. This is a consistent theme here. Loving God and obeying his commandments. We see that. Love, it is why we obey and how we abide in his love. Love. That's why when, when the, 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 the man was asked, the lawyer, the scribe, he said, well, you know, how do I, how do, how do I inherit eternal life? He said, well, what do you read? What do you know? He says, love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, strength, and soul, and love your neighbor as yourself. Jesus says, you've, had, uh, you've, uh, you've answered correctly. Do this and you will live. Well, that's not possible, but now with the Holy Spirit it is. We've been given the power to love and to love God first. Seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. Final verse in verse 11, if the worship team would come. These, thing I have, these things I have spoken to you, and this is what I shared earlier, and I, I, I love this, that Jesus is saying, this is why I told you this. Isn't that sweet? This is why I've told you all this, because, because I want you to be so filled with my joy that you are complete. And we know by, based on Nehemiah 8.10 that the joy of the Lord is our strength, right? So he says, I, these things I have spoken to you, verse 11, that my joy may be in you. Not, he doesn't say that my joy may be circumstantial to you. He's talking again about the Holy Spirit. He's saying, that my, I'm telling you all these things so that my joy may be inside of you and your joy may be full or abundant or complete. So why does Jesus say these things? That his joy may be in us. First peace, now joy. And, and, and the good thing is, as I mentioned, we have a helper to see this to fruition. Everything that God has asked us to do, we're empowered to do in his strength and for his glory, that being our objective. He wants our joy to be full and complete. I, I finish with these two verses, and I just want to point out a couple of great examples of abiding and experiencing joy as, as we finish here. Remember John the Baptist? In John chapter 3, verse 29, this is what we hear. The one who, this is what John is saying. The one who has the bride, right? Who's that? Who's the bride? The church, right? The one who has the church is the bridegroom, has her, right? The friend of the bridegroom, who's John talking about? Himself, right? He's the friend of Jesus, right? Um, who stands and hears him rejoices greatly at the bridegroom's voice. Therefore, this joy of mine is now complete. Why? Why, guys? Because John ran his race, loving the Father and being fully obedient to the purpose in his life to prepare the way for the Lord. And now his joy is complete. It's finished, right? And he is experiencing the joy of, you know, uh, Paul said, I, I've, I've run the race, I've finished the race, I've, you know, finished, 
the, the joy in knowing that I've pleased the Father with my life. And then finally, John says this in 1 John 1, 4. He says, and we are writing these things. What caused the disciples to write these things? I will lead you in the spirit of God when he comes, will lead you into all truth and remind you of everything that I've said, right? The Holy Spirit carried them along. This was, this was obedience, right? We are writing these things so that our joy may be complete. They're being faithful to what their calling and mission was. Pray with me as we prepare our hearts for communion this morning. Father, thank you for your word. We know that your objective is that it would never be anything but fruitful, never return void. And so, Lord, thank you that you are the true vine and that we are privileged and invited to be fully attached branches that abide and remain and endure in ways that... Uh, that demonstrate your fruit and prove to be your disciples. Oh, that your love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, self-control, just obedience to your word, all these things would manifest themselves through our lives as we simply and fully and completely connect our lives to yours. Help us to do these things in Jesus' name. Amen. To be fully attached branches that abide and remain and endure in ways that, uh, that demonstrate your fruit and prove to be your disciples. Oh, that your love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, self-control, just obedience to your word, all these things would manifest themselves through our lives as we simply and fully and completely connect our lives to yours. Help us to do these things in Jesus' name. Amen. <laughs> Thank you for listening to this message from Faith Fellowship St. Pete in St. Petersburg, Florida. More information about Faith Fellowship can be found at faithfellowshipstpete.org.